This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Literally the most annoying word. Bringing back old sitcoms. What's the matter with you, Florida? The GOP Cubs. And Rick's brush with Grandpa Munster, Al Lewis. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. That is coming up right now. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opi production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Welcome to another episode of Minutia Men with Rick Kemper and Dave Stern. Episode number 82. And we're still kind of riding high after uh, spending uh, Monday with our good friend Dane Placco, uh, who uh, was given his own hot dog. Yeah, right. Um, figuratively, not literally. Well, no, literally, right? I mean, yeah, well, literally and not yeah, figuratively. Literally. Right, exactly. Um, a sandwich was named after Dane Placco from a hot dog stand here in Chicago. And I don't think uh, we can call a hot dog a sandwich. Oh, really? I don't really? think, I don't consider it a sandwich. You consider a hot dog a sandwich? Yeah. Bread, meat. It's got all the components of a sandwich. Okay, fine. Uh, You know what? Let's end this podcast right now. (laughs) Um, So Dane and the hot dog was just spectacular. It was pure beef. Uh, It had cheese curds on it. Right, because he lived in Wisconsin for a while. Right. Beer mustard, which was just spectacular. Because he loves beer and beer mustard. And corn relish, which kind of gave it a little bit of a kick, right? Yeah, I I must say it sounds disgusting. Listing those ingredients together sounds disgusting, but it was not. It was delicious. It was fantastic. Um, You know, and it was Dane Placco. So, of course, the the meat was a little aged, right? It was 52-year-old or 57-year-old meat, right? Uh, And it was only it was only three and a half inches. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) we should say who Dane Placco is for those of you who are not in the Chicago area. Dane is a local uh, news reporter here in Chicago, a television news reporter, and is a college buddy of ours. And uh, his girlfriend called us up and said, can you come with and help surprise him for his uh, birthday? And uh, and so we went there to, uh, you know participate in the uh in the big unveiling of dane sausage yeah right and alexis did a wonderful job thank you for inviting us she did a great job and what's the name of the place again i think it's hot g dog hot g dog it's like a thousand block of uh clark clark in chicago um i didn't tell you actually um as you know i'm a fantastic parallel parker right <laughs> yes as as everybody knows yeah and i had to park on the street there because there was i you know i didn't you have parallel parking yeah and while while i was parallel parking you know how you have to turn your head to look obviously to make sure muscle? Uh, from like the top of my ear <laughs> to really, my to my know. elbow got all tingly for like i don't know 10 seconds the only reason i guess that is because i've done the same thing I've, um, i have i have pulled a neck muscle and just turning around in the car like oh come on um, let the record show it did not impede my prowess it was still a phenomenal parking job 
perfectly, you know, three inches for the curb. But didn't you mention yesterday that you pulled a muscle going to WGN or something? Oh, yeah, I was. So uh, John Landecker was being interviewed yesterday on WGN. So I uh, accompanied him and we have some books that he needs to sign because uh, his uh, Hall of Fame edition of his book um we guarantee that every book is autographed by John. So I had a, a heavy box of books and I had to, you know, park two blocks away and I had to go up and down stairs, you know, a lower Michigan, upper Michigan. And by the time I got to the, uh, to the, to the radio studio, I was sweating like a pig. I was just, I was huffing and puffing. I, I had to stop a few times and go, <sighs> Uh, and 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 how many books were in the box like 11 i think it was like 20 yeah i don't think it was that many i think it was like 11 i think it was like it sounds like not much but it was heavy and by the time i got back to the car um i did i i did feel like i had pulled a muscle like in my rib cage Right. So, uh, Rick and I, we're available if you want us to help you move. <laughs> if you need a personal trainer. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You got a piano that you got to get from point A to B, point B? We're your guys, all right? Uh, uh, this is kind of unrelated. Um, you know how I'm doing my family tree. Yeah, or did this, you, yeah. this is funny because Dave is sending me stuff all the time now because his family tree uh, is from Germany. Right. It's all. And I, I and I need Rick to translate documents because yeah. I'm on answer. And for anybody who wants to look look up their family, Ancestry.com is a pretty cool thing. Um, have you ever been on it? No, I haven't. Uh, uh, it, it's pretty cool. What you, and I did the DNA test. So you spit in a cup, you send it out, then they give you, you know, your DNA analysis. And then anybody else that's on Ancestry, you connect with. Um, so I'm having trouble with a certain side of my family. Actually, as far as my grandparents goes, I basically know about two of my grandparents and two of my grandparents I do not. I actually know about the Jews. It's the Christians that I'm having trouble finding out about. Um, you mean you, you don't even know who they are? Your, your I own know grandparents? The, no, I know their names. I just don't know anything else about them, like their siblings or you know their oh, parents, okay. like my great-grandparents. Um, but so my first cousin is my aunt's. So it's my dad's sister's kids are my first cousins, right? Yeah. Right. And I've and I've never met them, never talked to them. I only knew I only knew like one of their names. I knew their last name. So I I went on Ancestry and I was able to find somebody with the same name and one of the one of these cousins were mentioned in their um in their family tree. So I reached out to them. Uh, his name is Safir Heineb- or I'm sorry, Shlomo Safir. His wife his is like... His name is Shlomo, for real? Yeah, Shlomo Safir. Okay. They live in Israel. Okay. Uh, and his wife is Lyora Heinebach, which is the niece of my uncle. That was a good anyway. sound, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, I've been doing a lot of that yeah. when I'm doing my family tree. A lot of Ernst and Schlachs and those kind of guys. <laughs> um, it's so a beautiful anyways, language. So I reached out to him and I said, look, it appears that we sh- that somehow we're related because the name and whatever. And, you know, who are you? And, and try to shed light on this side of the family. Um, here is his email that I think is just hilarious. Wait for the end of it. Uh, Dear David, correct. Ani, 
was the wife of Ernst Heinebach. Honey is my aunt. My wife, Lyora Safrier Heinbach, is the daughter of Shaul Heinbach, that was the brother of Ernst. So, yes, we are relatives. Honey and Ernst have two boys, married, and have grandchildren. Those are my cousins, the, the two boys that he's talking about. Okay. So, I'm like, hey, this is fantastic, right? <laughs> uh, last line. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we have no connections with that part of the family because of their reasons. <laughs> <laughs> See, all your life, you've lamented that you didn't have a family. And And now you've got one, you know what it is. Now you know what it's like. Uh, And this reminded me of a story. Uh, But I've told you my grandfather and his brother in the Chinese ghetto story, right? Did I ever tell you this story? Yes, but you haven't told Uh, it on the the podcast. So my grandfather, George... um, for German Jews back in the 40s, not such a great time. So he fled to Shanghai. Shanghai was one of the few places, China, that would take German Jews. Um, and they took about 25,000 of them and they put them in a ghetto um, like Hooterville. <laughs> Call it Juderville. There's okay? Uncle Shlomo. He's moving kind of slow at the junction. <laughs> yeah, right. So George, my grandfather, uh, was in this ghetto. And his brother, Ernst, was in the same ghetto because he fled as well. They're brothers. Um, They hated each other so much (laughs) that they refused to talk to each other while they were in. They were refugees in a foreign country. They would pass each other on the street and not even make eye contact. That, my friend, is that's my family. So, you know what? This ancestry thing, I'm just going to log off and not even go back on it. Uh, I I warned you. It's not great to have a family. Well, and you go to like three funerals a week, too. That's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm saying. The next thing you know, you're going to be you've got to change your whole social calendar. (laughs) Um, Well, luckily, most of these people are living in Israel and Germany and Australia and whatever. So I think I'm good with the funeral part of it. Okay. I'm actually do, I'm doing it for the podcast so that I go, hey, you know what? I'm doing a pie. I'm trying to get more listeners to the podcast. That's why I'm doing it. That uh, that marriage certificate that you sent me yesterday, I can't read because it's in the old German script. And you oh, know, you- when the Nazis took over, they changed the, uh, the script back to the old German, you know, just to be more Aryan. And and it was and it has these curves and stuff. Right. And I just I not I cannot read it at all. I think what it is, um, it's a marriage certificate because they were they were married in like the twenties. I believe this is a annulment of that marriage. Ah. Because it had the stamps, the swastika stamps on it, and then it was like written like they they I, it, yeah, I that's what I think it is, is that was the actual Well it had the this, Nazi stamp on there. Right. I think that they took the old marriage certificates and stamped it like not or you know canceled or something like that is I think what those stamps are. What I think it says, and I, and I'm not 100 percent sure of this, but I think it is uh, it declares them not married because they're Jews. Right, right. Yeah. But they they were Jews before the. I mean, they were married before the right. Nurem- they were Nuremberg not laws. considered. Yeah, in the Nuremberg laws in the in the late 30s, uh, they declared that they were not human basically they right not, right so they had no right to be married right and i think that that's what the document that i just sent you was like their original certificate 
or a copy or whatever with the stamp that says no no more yeah basically i think that's right yeah that's right all right well well, let's all right well this uh, episode of minutia men uh is over now right (laughs) no we haven't even started Uh, um cue the mew okay Ooh, cue the mew i like that all right here we go Give them 22 minutes and they'll give you absolutely nothing of value. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Okay, what do you got for us in terms of minutia? Okay, this is from Fox News, but it's not political. Uh, New York City Bar bans customers who use the word literally. Did you notice I used the word literally a few seconds ago on the podcast? Yes, that's right. Um, uh, the Continental in New York City's East Village has banned the use of the word literally in its establishment, calling the word the most overused, annoying word in the English language. In a sign prominently displayed at the bar, the owners warn those who say the word literally inside Continental has five minutes to finish your drink and then you must leave. Literally, actually, literally five liter- minutes? That's literally. Yeah. If you actually start a sentence with "I literally," you got to leave immediately. <laughs> you know, I kind of approve of this. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, but but sometimes you, when you say "literally," it is the correct word. Yeah, I know, but it's totally misused. Uh, here's a couple of things that's funny. First of all, I think this is very funny. But second of all, there are these liberal snowflakes pissed about this. <laughs> okay. So one woman on Twitter found the band to be sexist, writing, people like this don't give a shit about language. They're just self-important, generally misogynistic blowhards who get off on feeling superior to mostly young women. By the way, this is the East Village bar that offers five shots of anything for 10 bucks, presumably because they are valiant defenders and purveyors of highbrow culture. So keep your hyperbole out of their hallowed halls. What a bitch. But, you know, seriously, what does that have to do with women at all? It doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just everybody's looking for a fight. Um, there are other words that I think should be banned or other phrases, I should say, that are used yeah. way too much. Um, you ever see those keep calm, you know, keep calm and carry on those yes. things? Yes. And that's, you know, keep calm and eat chicken or whatever it is. I think that should be. Yeah. That that should be. Um, also, uh, when somebody says, "Like I said," you know, when you're talking to somebody, they keep saying, "Like I said." Yeah, I've been listening to you, asshole. I you hear. Know, you know what's what really bugs me, um, and this is a new thing I've noticed over the last three four years. You can watch like uh, political pundits or people uh, asked to uh, pontificate on any subject. Really, it doesn't have to be political, but I notice it mostly on political pundits. That really smart people who, as they're talking inadvertently put the word right at the end of each sentence. <laughs> yeah. So, um, obviously, uh, he he didn't uh, perceive all the implications, right? And then, you know, and, and they, they do this every other sentence. It drives me batty. Mm. What are you looking for? Constant affirmation? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, also, I, I hate it when somebody goes, look, I'm sorry if I made you feel that way. <laughs> Because that's basically saying, "Hey, you're still wrong." I'm sorry if you're too, you know, too sensitive to whatever I just said. Um, and my favorite is no offense yeah. when you're about to say something yeah. really, or really. with all due respect. Yeah, yeah. whatever follows um, after that will not have any respect. 
Did you know that irregardless is now a word in the English language? It's a it's in the dictionary. So irregardless is an actual word. You know, there's one word that my wife uh, absolutely despises. This is a word like, you know, when she used to help me edit my stuff when I was writing. Um, if this word was in anything I wrote, she would just immediately say I had to take it out. And that word is moist. And apparently moist is a word that women absolutely hate. And you can't even use it to say, you know, you, the, somebody's eyes were moist, after, you know, after crying or it, it's just the the word moist has some connotation to women that just drives them absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, Catherine Johns. Remember Catherine? Yeah, sure. Sure. She was a uh, part of the John Landicker show at one time. And I got to know Catherine very well. We sat next to each other every day. And she also would just completely cringe at the word moist. The other one that would drive her crazy was the word panties which one panties uh, I, I don't know it's just you know a tick uh, you know something that uh that's that's one of my favorite words <laughs> so panty oh yeah so i can't like my wife let's say makes a really nice bun cake i can't say honey this is a really nice moist bun cake you know i wonder about that that might be the only possible use of it by by complimenting their food yeah, yeah. i'm gonna try that out i'll i'll report back yeah. yeah, I'll try that out the next time my wife cooks or bakes something, well, which will point. be epi- episode 672 <laughs> of Minutia Bed. <laughs> All right, there you go. Okay, so yeah. New York, continental. Don't say literally when you go there. Uh, okay, um, I have a uh, story for you here. Um, this is just a, it's just an example of how Hollywood has completely run out of ideas. You saw that uh, Roseanne is coming back. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that's a good show, and everybody's mm-hmm. still alive, so why not, right? Uh, yesterday it was reported that Murphy Brown is coming back. Mm. That was a good show. I, I enjoyed that show. And it was political, right? It was Washington, right? Wasn't that a, yeah, where it? Was, was it? it was TV network news. Yeah, okay. I did like it in the 90s because they were always like uh, good one-liners, good zingers, and I used right. to use those on the air. Uh, you know, like uh, in between the, we call them drop jingles. You know, we go, John Records, Landecker, you're a creep. Mm-hmm. Oldies 104, yeah, you know, right. whatever. I would use the Murphy Brown uh, clips. Um, and then I started thinking about it. Like you said, it's kind of a good time to bring that back with the politics the way it is and uh, all the um, agita over fake news and stuff like that. But it made me start thinking about Maybe there's some other shows out there that we should bring back, too. Mm. And I went and looked at, like, a list of, say, the top, you know, 50 sitcoms of all time. And most of them can't come back because they're all dead. Right, sure. Um, Sure. But Cheers, for instance, is is Mm -hmm. not missing anybody except, uh, you know, Carlos' husband, Eddie, just died recently, and Jay Thomas. But he was a fringe character. Sure. Coach is dead. Right, the coach died while the show was on, so right, right, you know, right, true, they carried true. on without him. But here's the next. Here's the show that I think should come back. You ready? Mm. Happy Days. All right now, in the 50s. Scott Bayo. The, the show took place in the fifties, right? Yeah. So you move it ahead. So it was on like forty years ago. So that would be now in the nineties. Okay. Right? You're okay. only missing Howard and Joni. Those are the only two that have died. 
So you still got the whole gang together. Imagine, um, you know, Milwaukee in the early 90s. The Fonz uh, against Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Remember the story where Charles Barkley threw a heckling buck, Bucks fan through the uh, plate glass window? Of a bar, right? Yeah, yeah that yeah, happened yeah. in Milwaukee. What if it was, you know, Richie's hardware store? <laughs> I mean, there's two, there's two episodes right there. Oh, I love the Jeffrey Dahmer connection. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, and cheese curds. We talked about cheese curds earlier on. Um, did you know that Dane was one of the first people allowed in Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment? Yo, I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, and, and he actually was thinking, you know, I really should steal his toothbrush. <laughs> but he didn't do it because, you know, journalistic integrity. Yeah, he, um, he was the one that broke that story in Milwaukee. Um. Uh, yeah. But so then another another possibility, another show to bring back, um, and this is Gilligan's Island. Okay. Uh, again, uh, most of them are dead. Gilligan's gone. The skipper's gone. The millionaire's gone. His wife is gone. The professor is gone. But the Tina uh, Louise. But the Tina Louise are left are Marianne and Ginger. Hot, the hot ones. Yeah. Sure. And the transistor radio. <laughs> yeah, okay. Good. The only uh, problem is if they listen to the radio now, all they'd get is right wing talk radio, <laughs> and they probably they would, be bitter old women yelling at each other all the time. Or they wouldn't want to come back to America. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true too. Yeah, you, you know, it's like you know what, we're fine right here. Um, what about um, you know the Ropers? That was one, right? Yeah, but Mr. Roper's dead. All right. Well, we change it to the Gropers. And oh. Kevin Spacey and Donald Trump. Oh, I like Sorry, it. Sorry, Kevin Spacey and Donald Trump. Okay. The All gropers. Right. So there's yeah. some free ideas for you, TV executives. Feel free. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, we got a winner. Uh, who is the winner this week? Sandman. At Sandman. Uh, didn't He gave me his name, but he doesn't want me to say it. Uh, but Sandman, at Sandman, you can follow him. Uh, he's from Callaway, Florida. All right. And what Sandman did is he retweeted and followed us on our Twitter account, and he won a prize pack worth more than $25 easy. He's got a crying cub shirt coming coming his way. He's got two Amish Chicago coffee mugs, a quarter bag of Skokie Toki from the world-renowned pothole store, and a copy of Lost uh, in the Ivy by uh, our author, Randy Richardson. And if you want to win a prize pack, just like this retweet and um follow us on twitter and please subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher or google play we're on iHeartRadio right now we're on potable um and please comment and um share us with everybody listen comment rate and subscribe to minutia yeah. yeah um speaking of florida yes uh from our winner did you see the thrill list? You know what the thrill list is. They're the thrill list, right? Yeah. What that is? They do their, um, I guess they do this every year. What state in the nation is the worst or the worst state in the nation? And why don't you cue the music, Rick? All right. Cue the jingle. Oh, Florida? <laughs> okay, yeah. here we go. What's wrong with you, Florida? What is wrong with you, Florida? Well, evidently everything, because they are the worst state in the nation, according to Thrillist. Um, what the Thrillist did, it's they call it their definitive and final rankings of all 50 states. And it's based on everything, specifically the state's contribution to America, like okay. inventions, food and drink, 
somewhat productive, famous people and the unique physical beauty, among other things. That all takes into consideration about their rankings. And um, this is what they said about Florida. When putting together a list such as this, there can be some temptation to defy popular expectations and go against the grain. However, Florida's awful resume is so staggeringly staggeringly impressive that it couldn't go any other way. You were born for it. Embrace it. Um, So Florida, (laughs) the number one worst state in the union. Guess what Illinois is? 49th? (laughs) 27th. Oh, hey, that's pretty good. I was thrilled with it. You're in the middle of the pack, right? Well, you know, they just came out with the study, uh, the top five cities in America, or top, top five cities in the world to live in. And we're number one. Number, we number one, one or baby. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do like what the thrillist said about Chicago. Chicago is a fine city that vacillates between having way too high an opinion of itself and desperately needing outside approval. That's totally true. It is totally uh, true. And they, they said without it, Illinois would really be a scraping bottom. Have you ever been to Rockford? <laughs> or Kankakee? <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, and this is kind of a badge of honor. Since 1961, we've sent four governors to prison, my friend. Yeah, top that. I think the only state that has a shot at us is Louisiana. I think New Jersey, too, don't they? Oh, yeah. Doesn't New Jersey. Um, New Jersey, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Texas all ranked less worse than Illinois. What's the number one state? Michigan. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah, I know. You ever go to Flint? Um, yeah. Uh, well, Gar- or that's Indiana. What? Um, Detroit? Well, you're going to Grand Rapids tomorrow, right? Or next week? What are you doing? I'm going to Grand Rapids next Wednesday. Uh, John Landecker's doing a, uh, a talk at Grand Valley State University, and I will be there uh, uh, to uh, join in. So oh, looking nice. forward to that. All right, beautiful. All right, what else you got? Uh, it's time for our Cubs feature. Hang on one second here. Time now for a collection of Cub geekness. This is Just One Bad Century with Rick and Dave. So I told you I was going to tell you about uh, a uh, a Cub named Vin Campbell. Mm-hmm. But uh, some other story came in the news this morning that I wanted to talk to you about, and that is uh, uh, Todd Ricketts, the co-owner of the Cubs, yeah, he's now going to be the RNC finance chair, right? Yeah, he's the yeah. Uh, chief fundraiser for the Republican Party now. Mm-hmm. And that is not an unusual position for a Cubs owner to be. The Cubs have been affiliated in one way or another with the Republican Party since the days that President Taft's brother owned the Cubs. Oh, I didn't know that. Who, yeah. What was his name? What was his name? Charles Taft. Charles oh. Taft owned the Cubs along with uh, Charles Murphy in, in the early, uh, the first century, the first decade of last century. Later, uh, William Wrigley was also a big Republican donor. Minority owner Albert Lasker uh, helped get uh, Warren Harding elected. He was actually mm. literally in that smoky room where they made the decision to uh, get Warren Harding elected. Mm. Um, Fellow minority owner Harry Sinclair was uh, in the middle of the Teapot Dome scandal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chicago Tribune was founded by one of the most notorious Republicans of all time, which Colonel McCormick. And the Tribune owned the Cubs for 30 years. Ronald Reagan wasn't just a Cubs fan. He was a Cubs announcer. So, I mean, the Cubs are 
face it, they're uh, connected to the well, Republican Party and have been since the since well over a hundred years now. Well, how are the Cubs going to perform this year with all the immigrants on the team? Aren't they, are they going to have to get out of town? Yeah, really, that's a good point. <laughs> all right, so you may, so you kind of maybe barking up a bad tree here. Uh, we, well, that's very interesting. All right, well. Congratulations to Mr. Ricketts. Yes, congratulations. Uh, and please do not bring that into the uh, w- world of Wrigley Field. I'd appreciate that. It's time for our final feature of the day. A random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. This is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the Costco jar, pulls out a name of a celebrity that I have met over the years, and I have to tell the story of the day that I met them. This I have never heard, although maybe I heard, uh, Grandpa Al Lewis. Oh, Grandpa Munster. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's see. Uh, so I've, this one is kind of a, a weird story. Al Lewis was uh, running for... I want to say running for mayor of New York at one point in the late 80s. And I got him on the phone on Stephen Gary's show, and he was a guest, and he was, you know, nutty, crazy crazy guy. Grandpa Munster. Grandpa right? Munster. Uh, but it was a fairly normal interview. And then a few months later, the there was an opening of a big bar in Chicago called Excalibur. You remember uh-huh. that place? Yeah, like a castle, right? Or yes. like a, yeah. I think it's no longer called Excalibur. I think it changed hands again. But for many years, it was called Excalibur. It was right downtown in the uh, River North area. And the grand opening was a huge loop event. I mean, it, we had we were giving away tickets the whole week. It was a gigantic party. And it was around Halloween time. And so we brought in Grandpa Monster. Oh, yeah. Sure. To be part of the show. And he came on to Stephen Gary's show alive in the studio. Now, he was sitting in the uh, in the producer's booth with me for a while. And and we're chatting. I mean, he was he didn't say much of anything. I, a couple of observations about him. One is uh, he was tall. Oh, really? You, you watch the Munsters and you see Herman next to right. Grandpa. And Grandpa doesn't look like he would be tall but he was i mean tall taller than i thought he was i thought he was going to be like five seven but yeah, he was, yeah 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 he might you know about my height maybe a little taller than me nearly six feet tall that that was one observation the second one was that he had two personalities one was just chatting with me like hey how was yeah. it that's a nice day out yeah you know chicago's a lovely town blah 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 yeah. Yeah. um all right sure. go into the studio um, yes, hello, uh, Stephen Gary on the air, uh, Grandpa Munster, how are you? What are you guys doing, cocaine in here? Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, he it. went off on this weird rant, and, and it was it was like a five-minute rant. <laughs> and it was totally out of character from what he was like, just uh, day-to-day Grandpa Munster, but he was playing the part of the crazy guy. Yeah, yeah, it sure. was a total act. Now, how often was that, that the guest totally different than the persona on the radio or, you know, that when they got into the 
interview. Very rarely. Very rarely. Most people are somewhat like you expect them to be. Like the the other one I can think of that was not like that was uh, Emo Phillips. (laughs) Emo Phillips. Emo Phillips. he had like an English accent and was very. Oh, uh, do. Oh. <laughs> uh, but he was a, a, a fairly normal guy. Um, and he had one line about Stephen Gary <laughs> that was really mean. He said that uh, listening to Stephen Gary was like going to a Hollywood party. You stick around for 45 minutes and you hope to get one line. <laughs> That's pretty. What did he say that? Did he say that on the air? I think he did say that on the air. I don't know if he said that on the air or off the air. I might be getting him in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. What's what? What is what's going to happen to him? Yeah. What is what is Emo Phillips even doing now? Does he still perform? I don't know, but he he wrote the original Meet the Parents, um, and sold that. So I think uh, I think Emo is probably set for life. Uh, The Steve Martin. The, no, Wait, it, the one with um, Ben Stiller and uh, Al Pacino. Oh, and the the okay, yeah, okay, I got the gotcha. Falkers. Right, the Falk. It's not Al Pacino. It's De Niro, isn't it? Or is it De Niro? You're right. You're right. Uh, you're right. It's, I always get those two guys confused. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, that is that is my Al Lewis story. All right. Uh, to find out more about Rick and Dave, you can check out EckhartsPress.com, also ChicagoAuthorSolutions.com. If you'd like to reach us, you can drop us a line at MinutiaManPodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tony Lasano with Opi Productions. We've been distributed by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Minutia Man. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? 